So I'm going to start today by telling all myself a little bit. Some of you all will remember this. Others of you all, this is new information. But the first time I led the Lord's Prayer in here, I started it with the wrong words. Um, And I'm reminded of that. And I remember going and sitting over there and going, this is going to be a short appointment at this church, potentially, because I couldn't even start the Lord's Prayer accurately. I, and I started with like, oh, oh God, I think it was close, but I heard crickets and I was like, I don't think that went well. But anyways, your grace has been sufficient for me and I thank you for that. And y'all kept me around for at least almost two years and I'm grateful for that. We want to remind you or tell you for the first time about a meeting that we're having on May 21st. It is following the 11 o'clock worship service. It's a church-wide meeting about the new building. And the new building is a building that will be out in that direction. It will house our preschool and our children's ministry. And um, what that will allow is the space that our, our preschool and children's ministry is currently in will be renovated for our CADES ministry, which is our senior adult ministry for those with dementia. And what we know based on our community is that kids and families are, get, are, are definitely a part of who we are, and that is going to continue to grow in number in this community, as well as, believe it or not, we continue to get older every day. I hope that was okay that I told you all that. But that's happening, and, and what we know is the need to provide services for those with a dementia. It is one of the powerful things that we get to be witness of in, in this community of faith. And so we're having a meeting about this proposed building. It is not a vote. It is a meeting about the building. We'll have drawings that you will be able to look at. That is from 1230 to 145 in the worship center. There will be a, a lunch. You need to register for the lunch. And also there will be childcare provided But we also need you to register for that as well. And that is found on um, concordunited.org slash events. And in case you're like, I want to eat at the house and not have to deal with people, not that any of y'all are that way, but it is live streamed. Um, So you will have that option as well. Just wanted to make sure you all aware of that opportunity coming up just in a couple of weeks. It's an exciting time to get to be part of this community of faith. And what we have been talking about, we started last week. We had Easter just a couple of weeks ago. And Jesus is resurrected and he, has, he appears to multiple groups. And then he ascends into heaven. And can you imagine what that must have been like for the disciples? Like you're, you die, you resurrect, You're with us and you're leaving us and what do we do? In the book of Acts, the author of Luke and Acts is the same author it's believed to be Luke. And so if you read Luke and Acts together, you've got this incredible story that starts with the birth of Jesus and follows all the way to the early church. And we are focusing our series on turning the world upside down because in Acts 17.6, it talks about the early church was known as this group that was turning the world upside down. It may feel like our world is turning upside down, but we want to look at it through the lens of how can we as individuals and a community 
turn this world upside down in the name of Jesus. I've been holding this story for six years, so hang on. It's going to be interesting. Our son told us, told me it was six years last night. It feels like just yesterday. But annually, the churches in what we call the Holston Conference, which is Methodist churches from about Withville, Virginia, south through southwest Virginia, east Tennessee, and to the tip of northern Georgia, we gather in June at Lake Junaluska in North Carolina. And it's a great couple of days of sessions and worship, seeing folks that we see once a year oftentimes. But I've been several years, and our son has gone with me a couple of those times. He doesn't go to the sessions with me. He gets to hang out with friends and play and do things there with our friends. So six years ago, I decided that I would take a break from one of the sessions and that I would join them in their play, and they were going to canoe. There were three adults, and there were three kids, Aren't y'all interested where this is going? So there was a, a kid and an adult in three, one, one adult, one kid in each of the three canoes. And we start out and it's, it's raining a little bit. And I speak these profound words to our son. I say, this is how memories are made, canoeing in the rain. What we had no idea, the memories were just beginning. So we get to the middle of the lake, and if you've never seen or been to Lake Junaluska, it's not like a huge lake. It's, it's kind of, I don't want to say overgrown pond, because that makes it, that falls short of the truth. But we're out in the middle, and for whatever reason, the kids decide they're going to change canoes. It was not my idea. Um, so they start switching canoes, and the, our son got out of the canoe he and I were in, and he swims to another canoe, and another kid comes swimming towards me, and for whatever reason, he decided he didn't want to be in my canoe. We wanted, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain that. So he heads away, and for whatever reason, at that moment, if you've ever been in a canoe, and you sense it wobbling a little bit, a lot more, and then you get the sensation of water covering you, and you realize that you have flipped your canoe and that you are in the water. At that point, I am very grateful that the canoe had flipped all the way around, so it was right side up. I didn't have to ride it. It's got some water in it, but the next challenge is I have to get back in the canoe. I am short and it is deep water. I can't leverage myself by the ground. I have to hoist myself with my great upper body strength, which is nil. And um, I try twice. I can't do it. I look at my friend and I go, um, I'm not going to be able to get in this. Um, I'm going to have to swim this back. And she looked at me as sincerely with her eyes directly at me. And she said, you can do it. You can get in the canoe. And I was like, okay, well, if she says I can, then obviously I can. But I'm going to have to take off the life jacket first. Which the side story of that is I had made a really big deal with our son the summer before that wearing life jackets were very important to keep us safe in the water. So as I take it off, his eyes get this big because now mom is in danger 
but all I got to, I, I am so motivated by getting into the canoe that that is my focus. And so I don't, I still don't know how I did it, but I hoisted myself over the edge and into the canoe, only to realize there is so much water in there that I can't move to the middle of the canoe that I'm going to have to paddle all the way back from the back of the canoe. But I was in and I was grateful. I get back to the shore and we're drying off and all this. And I look at my friend and I said, I can't believe I got back in. And she said to me, me either. (laughs) But you told me you thought I could get in. She goes, yes. Isn't the power of words significant? They are, they are. The power of words. And what we see in the early church as we look at the book of Acts, the verses in Acts 4, um, we see the power of words and how the early church leveraged the power of words, not in the normal cultural ways, but in ways beyond them or the culture but rooted in who God is. And we are gonna look at that. We're gonna read through some verses. We're gonna ask four questions that come from the reading of the book of Acts 4. And we are gonna see what that means for us in our lives as we consider the power of words. Now, Acts 1 is this transition chapter. It gives us an overview of Jesus' resurrection and ascension. They've got to figure out who takes Judas's place, and so they have a process for that. We have in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falling upon the early church, and that's what we believe to be the birth of the early church. Acts 3 is Peter healing a lame man, and we definitely see parallels between that and Jesus healing earlier in the Gospels. But you see, just as during Jesus' life, the religious leaders are threatened by what is going on. They didn't witness the resurrection of Jesus and that he lived and go, well, you know what? We were wrong. The religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the council of the Jewish leaders, didn't have a wake-up moment upon Jesus' resurrection. They were still threatened. They were still threatened by who Jesus was, is, and will always be. And we see how the early church deals with those threats, how they are threatening others. We're going to answer four questions about the power of words through the eyes of the early church and what that means for us. We're going to start by reading Acts 4 um, and 7. And so Peter and John have been taken in front of the authorities, and this is what happens. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. 
Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This was a really big deal. What was going on was the religious leaders wanted to know by what power and by whose authority because they believed that they had the power, that it was their authority. The question was intentional. By whose name? By whose name? And they didn't, the, Peter and John, they didn't hesitate. They said, by the power in the name of Jesus Christ. We see in Acts 4, multiple times, it's no other name, it's in the name of Jesus, through the name of Jesus. So the question for us is, who is the source of our words? Who is the source of our words? Is it our opinions? Is it our past experiences? It is, is it how we were raised? And how we were raised, there is much goodness in it. But yet, how is it, what is our source of our words? Is it our resentments? Is it our preconceived ideas about people who may not act or talk or look like us? What is the source of our words? For the early church, there was absolutely no doubt. It was God. It was in the name of Jesus. And every time you see that in scripture, that is intentional in the name of Jesus. They were claiming the authority of our God that is bigger than any other authority, any other power. In the name of Jesus, that's our source. That is our power we have to consider what are those ways that we connect to that source. It has to be intentional taking those next steps. When we talk about that we have a Bible reading plan, there is intention with that. That intention is that so we can be connected to the source through reading scripture. You may have other ways that you read scripture, but by connecting to God's word, we are connecting to the source, our source, our power. In the name of Jesus, we see how Jesus treated other folks. We see what he said, and that helps us connect to our source. We offer groups here, and that is connection, whether it's a Sunday morning group or a weekday group or a study. That, that is, those are ways that we connect with our source. We see this in Acts 2 when we talk, it talks about the foundations of the early church. It's the teaching of the apostles, the source the connection to God. It is breaking a bread. When we gather on Wednesday nights to eat dinner, that isn't just about a free meal. That is that we come together, we break bread together, we have fellowship. And another way we connect to our source is through the power of prayer. How do we connect? Charles Stanley died um, early last week. He was a pastor at First Baptist of Atlanta. 
Several of y'all may have read his readings previously. His son, Andy Stanley, is known currently in the church world as a leader. And um, Andy, the son, posted a tweet about his dad in those last days of his life. And he talked about that every time he would visit his dad and we'd get ready to leave, his dad would ask him to pray with him until the last time. He didn't know it was the last time. His son didn't. But that time, the father prayed over the son. And this is what Andy Stanley said. Then, as was his habit, he said, I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. The source of a word determines the weight. Those were wonderfully weighted words and his final words to me. The source of a word determines its weight. What are the source? What is the source of our words? It's important for us to know that and to lean into that and be intentional in that. As we continue in Acts 4 uh, with verse 13, they have spoken and they have seen about Peter and, and John that they've claimed in the name of Jesus. That is their authority. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them in again and commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was 40 years old. So they were told, don't don't do that anymore. Stop. Have you ever done that with your kids? Like, don't do that again. What we... Some, some of you all have, evidently. It's effective sometimes. Um, they had told them, don't do it. And, and Peter and John are like, like, who are we supposed to obey? Are we supposed to obey you or our God? You see, in the power of words and how we live out our days, in our words and our actions, we have to ask, how are our words obedient to God? Many of us don't like the word obedient because it immediately brings up that we don't have control. I hate to tell you this, or maybe I'm glad. You, you are being obedient to something or someone. The question is, to whom are you obedient? To whom is it that you will follow? Will we follow? Is it our God? Is it the power of God? Is it the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Is that to whom we will be obedient? Is that where our words will come from? Will they come from a place of grace and love which is rooted in our God? Or will they come from 
as I've said, our resentments, our opinions of how you're wrong and I am right. We live in a society that is so focused on how everyone else is wrong and I'm right. And then we spend our time trying to prove that. A spiritual mentor that meant a lot to me, he used to say, I confuse my opinion with fact. I relate. Who are we obedient to? If we are connected to the source and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, then are we obedient in our words? Socrates, when he was questioned about teaching philosophy, he said, men of Athens, I respect and love you, but I shall obey the God rather than you. Who are we obeying? How are our words reflective of this? So they talk to him, they send him away, they bring him back, say don't do it again. And then Peter and John leave and they go to join the rest of the believers. And guess what they did when they gathered together? On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They gathered together and they prayed. They prayed a prayer of declaring their dependence on God, not of themselves, but that their dependence is on God first and foremost that they are powerless out of themselves, but through God they have power, God's power, God's authority. They prayed. They didn't pray for protection, they prayed for strength. They were gonna continue to walk this out and as we read the book of Acts in the weeks to come, we will see that it will become progressively harder to proclaim the truth of God in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the early church. And they continue forward each step of the way. They continue in the power of God they continue in his name, they are obedient, and they are prayerful in doing so. That their power comes from God, not of themselves. And they pray that routinely. When's the last time we prayed for God to guide our words and our actions? Not saying, God, this is what I want to say, you make sure it comes across pretty good but that we go to God and we say, you give me the words. You tell me what to say next. Give me the strength to say the hard things, Lord. 
in your name. And we see throughout the book of Acts 4, we see this language of that they spoke boldly. Let's be honest, we think we speak boldly a lot in our culture. We claim these truths and we speak and we don't care who says it. But when we see boldly in here how the early church spoke boldly, it was with courage. It was also very clear what they spoke about. They spoke about how they had seen and heard Jesus. How do we speak courageously about how we have heard and seen Jesus? I want to ask you a question. How have you heard and seen Jesus? How have you heard and seen Jesus? Maybe that thought makes you go, I I don't know. I don't know when I've heard and seen Jesus. There's not guilt and shame in that. Let's have a conversation. Stop me outside. Email me. Talk to Mike. Let's talk about that. That's what they spoke about. That's what they spoke boldly about. It was about what they'd heard and seen about Jesus, of who Jesus is. How have you seen and heard Jesus in your own lives? That is what we go speak boldly about. We'll read Acts 4 through 8 in the days to come as we talk about the power of words and we will see the story of Stephen. And his story is powerful. As we see, he is rooted in the power of God, that he speaks in the name of Jesus, that he is obedient to death, he is prayerful, and he speaks boldly about what he has heard and seen about Jesus. What about us? What about us collectively as a community of faith? And what about us as individuals? How do we leave this place and we go live this out? That we speak, that we honor the power of words. And we do so by connecting to our source, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. That we are obedient to God. That we are prayerful and that we speak courageously about what we've heard and seen about Jesus. The church is still alive, you all. We are a part of it. Let us go use the power of words in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.